Hello, friends, and welcome to the Home Wrecker Podcast, where we wreck and shatter conventional wisdom and ways of thinking by bringing alternative viewpoints to light in an attempt to not only wreck and shatter conventional wisdom and ways of thinking, but to obliterate them completely. I am the Golden Greek, Alex Arion, joined as always by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous wife, the lovely Monique. Monique, how are you? Hello. I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I was was trying to do like the shatter, like the baseball bat. And then I realized on the camera, I did it the wrong way. So you couldn't see. And then it looked like I was just doing like a victory kind of like, woohoo. Yay. (sighs) Baseball bat for shatter? Yeah. You take like a baseball bat and you shatter something or someone with it. (laughs) Something or someone. Okay. Sure. Uh Why not? Yeah. I guess that works. Yeah. Why the hell not? So, uh, anything new going on with you, my lady? We're still in the process of moving and everything, but uh, yes. is there anything else going on? I got to see one of my best friends since kindergarten That's last pretty night. Cool. It was awesome. I love her and adore her, and I'm very thankful that we got that time together. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, how about you? No, not a darn thing. Just packing, throwing things away discovering things that I haven't looked at or seen in a really long time. Oh, that's where that went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. Just get ready for the move, yeah. which should be happening imminently. One of the things I, I told you about was when I was younger, I would take money and hide it in pockets of like coats and pants and stuff. So that way, if it was something I didn't wear often, if I went to go wear it, I'd be like, ooh, 20 bucks or $10. So I had a coat that I've had for almost 20 years. And I figured it's about time to get rid of that. It doesn't really fit well and we'll get rid of it. But I had to check the pockets to make sure I didn't <laughs> hide money in there. There you go. Yeah. Got to be careful of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But it was like a special surprise I'd leave for myself. There you go. That's and you cool. were just looking at me like, uh, okay, when I told you about it, but hey, you know, we, we all have our quirks, we all have our things that we do. For yeah. me, I thought that was kind of weird, but hey, it's somebody else watching or listening might be like, yeah, I do that too. What's why is he giving her a weird look? Why does he think that's weird? I do it too. Well, fuck me, I don't know. <laughs> Jeez, all lay right, o- then lay off everybody. Okay, God. and you, how about you? Uh, Other packing, me? you were saying packing, finding things, anything else? That's it. That's about it. Just getting ready for that kind of stuff. The move and and uh, life in the mountains. Life in the mountains. Cannot wait. Can't wait. Life is better in the mountains. It really is. So this week, we are going to talk about the Flatwoods Monster, which is something that happened 
uh, a, a couple of sightings that occurred way back in the, in the 1950s. 1950s. Mm-hmm. So you know, quite a while ago. Yeah. Now, I, so we were, we mentioned in a previous episode, we went on vacation, we were in West Virginia, and it was actually our oldest son asking about the Flatwoods Monster, which is really cool because I wasn't familiar with it. So for our son to be asking about it, yeah, it's always kind of cool when it's your really kids neat. start talking to you about yeah. stuff that you're that you you you're interested in, and and it's not because of you, but just they come, they find out on their own. They come to it independently. Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of cool. So we looked into it, and we thought it'd be a fun little episode to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't we get right to it? All right, I have my shall notes. we? Okay. The Flatwoods Monster was made notable in Flatwoods, West Virginia, and the surrounding areas in Braxton County. On September 12, 1952, Edward May, Freddie May, Neil Nunley, and Tommy Heyer were playing outside at Flatwoods Elementary School when they noticed a bright light moving across the sky. It appeared to crash into a hill on G. Bailey Fisher's farm. The boys ran to see what it was they saw in the sky. The Mays boys, uh, their home was on the way, so they stopped there to tell their mother, Kathleen, what they had seen. Kathleen called on National Guardsman Eugene Lemon and the family dog, Richie, to accompany her and the boys to the crash site. So that's pretty smart. So they noticed a bright light moving across the sky Mm -hmm. and then... They, they said it looked like it crashed into a hill. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty smart of them to, one, get an adult. And for that adult to get another adult. <laughs> right. Now, was it when they said that, they, that it looked like it crashed, did, was there any kind of detail as far as, did they notice an explosion, fire, anything like that? I didn't read anything with that specific. It was just, it was moving across the sky. And then there was the hillside where the farm was. And it looks like it went right in there. Okay. So it looked like it went into the hill, not yeah. like behind it or something. Yeah. Okay. Upon reaching the site of the crash, the group saw a pulsing red light. Eugene Lemon shined his flashlight up the hill and the group witnessed what they described as a 10 foot tall creature with a head shaped like a spade and what appeared to be a dark metal dress. The creature's hands were twisted and clawed, and what seemed to be its eyes glowed an eerie orange color. It appeared to float off the ground. A strange, sickening mist hung in the air. The creature hissed and glided quickly toward the witnesses. The group then turned and fled in terror. The family dog began vomiting when it got home and died a few days later. Some of the members of the group suffered from throat irritation, vomiting, and nausea, which persisted for days. These symptoms were passed off as a side effect of hysteria, but they believed that the mist was similar of mustard gas. A side effect of hysteria? My dog got so hysteric it vomited and died. Yeah, what? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the 50s when, like, anything you saw in the sky was swamp gas or a weather balloon. Yeah, nice right. try, government. We don't believe you. Yeah. May and Lemon reported the incident to local authorities who searched the area that night and claimed to have found nothing. 
I like that claimed to have found nothing. Well, there were different investigations. There were reporters looking into it. Um, but at the end of the day, it seems that there was no concrete evidence that anything was there or happened. Allegedly. Sure thing. According to those people. Now, there was another sighting of a creature similar in description to the Flatwoods monster that was reported by Mrs. Audra Harper not long before the infamous sighting on the Fisher's farm. Harper claims to have seen the monster while walking through the woods near her home near the town of Heaters, West Virginia, which is about five miles north of Flatwoods. Harper and her friend were walking to a nearby store. The road leading out of their property was difficult to travel on, so they were taking a shortcut through the forest instead of walking on the road, which would have increased their trip significantly. About a half a mile into their trip, they noticed a ball of fire on one of the hills that they were passing. Harper dismissed it, assuming that one of her neighbors was fox chasing. Wait a second. She sees a ball of fire? Is that how you chase a fox? (laughs) <laughs> by, I'm not by familiar th- with fox chasing. <laughs> I, I thought that inc- that was like guns and dogs. I didn't know anything about balls of fire in the sky. So, uh, so, I, so when when maybe like lanterns, she thought like I don't know. So when you said that, what I'm picturing is like in wrestling when they throw fireballs at people, like Jerry Lawler take mm. a fireball and throw it at someone. That's what I'm picturing. Like, is that how they chase foxes? They sit there with flash paper. Flash paper. Light light it and throw it. Maybe they take their lanterns and, like, toss it really (laughs) high up in the sky so it goes tumbling to try to, like, hit the fox or, I don't know. (sighs) Okay. Anyhow. (sighs) Moving on. Moving on. When she glanced back, she saw something unbelievable. The fire had vanished, and in its place stood a tall, dark silhouette of a man-shaped figure. Terrified, Harper and her friend ran, escaping among the rocks and boulders strewn around the hillside. Harper, too, noted a foul smell coming from it. On September 13, 1952, another sighting occurred near Strange Creek, about 20 miles south of Flatwoods. Reportedly, George and Edith Snit. Owski, Snitowski. Snitowski, thank you. And their 18-month-old were driving through the rural area between Clay and Braxton County on Route 4 when their car suddenly died. Mr. Snitowski apparently uh, attempted to restart the car to no avail. And it was nighttime and the road was deserted. While the Snitowskis were trying to decide what to do, a foul sulfurous smell filled the air and their be- and their baby began to cry. Did somebody fart? Possibly. Was the baby like have a dirty diaper maybe? Were there cows nearby? You know that methane apparently is pretty potent. Uh, okay. <laughs> a strange bright light filled the darkness and the couple witnessed a 10 foot tall creature hovering in front of the car. The description is similar to that of the original sighting, except the monster was not wearing what is presumed to be a spade-shaped hood. Instead, its head was reportedly reptilian and bony. From the waist down, it was similar to the Flatwoods monster, but from the waist up was more reptilian humanoid. This creature, thought to be the same creature sighted in Flatwoods, is also known as the Frametown Monster to many people. The creature dragged its lizard-like hands across the hood of the car before drifting away into the woods. As soon as the monster was out of sight, the car restarted and the couple sped away. 
Snitowski would later give his account for Mail Magazine in 1955. Mail spelled M-A-L-E. I wonder what that magazine was all I about. <laughs> I did now, not look that now, up. I'm going to look that up when we're done all because right. that sounds awesome. <laughs> there were no other accounts of the Flatwoods monster since 1952. Yeah, so let's why don't we talk about this a little bit before we get into uh, what it maybe could have been. Mm-hmm. 1952, yes. so nothing since then. Nothing. Which is crazy to me. Which is why I have theories on this, because I have questions, and I have theories, because I look at this. There were, there were only a limited number of sightings, and think about for the three groups who came forward, how many other people may have noticed something, encountered it in one way, maybe smelled something, but they never reported it. That typically tends to be, I guess... Not the rule of thumb, but the, the popular belief is that if, if you have, say, five people say they saw something, you can usually multiply that by 10. So really, 50 people saw it, but only five reported it. Mm-hmm. That tends to be typically how people, I, I forget what it, like the law of averages or whatever the whatever it's called. But yeah. typically, that's what that, that's how that is supposed to work, if you believe that kind of stuff. So let's let's assume that that mm-hmm. yes, you had these three parties that came forward, it, you know, gave their stories and everything, but maybe more people did see it. You would think that maybe some of these reports would come out after the fact, but none ever really did. But think about it, it was nineteen fifty two. Yeah, a lot of people. There was a stigma back then. Had the now see the the UFO craze and the flying saucer craze and stuff. Had that really. I know Kenneth Arnold saw the first flying saucer. I believe it was forty seven or forty eight, so it was kind of just new. Yeah, so it was maybe newer, but there was a stigma about people speaking out about weird things. And if you have sure. the government yeah, come sure. out and say, "No, we didn't find anything," the odds Perhaps. highly decrease. Okay, in yeah. terms of who's going to speak no, okay. out and say, "Well, yeah. I saw it too." Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I think the thought back then was. Okay, well, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm just trying to think if this was like, because this was before like Project Blue Book and all that. And when they started really, yeah. really uh, ridiculing and, and having those kind of ridicule campaigns but going then, against people. like, it was still kind of. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Taboo, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. Okay. You don't want to put attention on yourself. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But now. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my question is, what is this thing? Is it an alien? Is it a cryptid? Or is it some kind of robotic thing, man-made or even alien-made? Is it a weapon? What is it? And I have some thoughts, but let's kind of get into discussion. Yeah, well, I I know we watched a a documentary, uh, one of those small town monsters documentaries. Mm -hmm. I think Seth Breedlove is the uh, producer of those. And it was was fairly well done. It was was short, brief. It was about 45 minutes long. And they had the maze actually talking about their encounter and everything. And something that stood out to me was they, they... talked about how all of the media reports the newspaper reports and, and any 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 account of their of what they witnessed and what they experienced they said was all wrong they said it was all wrong it was all sensationalized 
and in their view was to sell papers and to get you know people talking and that kind of thing. They thought that what they witnessed was a crashed government project, like a secret government project. And they said even at the time they thought that. As they as they aged, I mean, when the, the documentary, I believe, came out in 2019, and obviously they, they saw this when they were young boys in 1952, so they're, they're older gentlemen now. And they said that even in their old age, as they've aged, they've never wavered from that thought. And that's something that they thought as young kids. Yeah. This is military. This is something having to do with the with the military. Which would make sense why the military would say, oh, there's of, nothing of there. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. But all these accounts of the monster and that kind of thing, they said that what they thought they saw was just a crashed spaceship that was sticking in the ground. Uh, no, a, a craft, not a spaceship, but a craft, like a rocket. It looked like a rocket mm. almost is what they said. So I don't know. It... it I I wonder if it was just these accounts of a monster and and that kind of thing was just a media creation that perhaps the military asked the media to sensationalize and create this legend around to keep their whatever weapon they were testing or aircraft they were flying or whatever the fact that it crashed maybe to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I mean, that's just based off of just what the Mays brothers said. Yeah. And, and, and what, you know, so. Well, I had some, some thoughts, like, obviously, like when I look into the stuff, I quite, I get questions in my mind that sure. I want to figure out. So the foul smell, all three accounts said there was a foul smell. And during the documentary in the readings, the Mays reported it as similar to mustard gas, so mustard gas, for those who aren't aware, was basically developed and turned into a weapon, and it's a blistering agent. The reason why it's called mustard gas is because it kind of smells like mustard, sometimes gar- garlic or horseradish. And what happens is it's a mist, so it actually has fine droplets. It's not the kind where it's just in the air and you don't feel it, there is a mist and there is density to it. It actually can go through clothes like wool and cotton. So you're not protected by your clothes. It can get in there and get on your skin. So it causes these blisters. It can vary from first, second to even third degree burns. It can cause respiratory illness. It can cause nausea and vomiting. But if it's mustard gas... Why was there no blistering? Because that's the big thing that it does, is that it causes blistering. So one of my thoughts was... Did they maybe not get close enough to to have that, I don't know, maybe... Can you smell mustard gas and not... Well, yes, because it has the smell of kind of mustard. But, but I mean, if can it's you... causing irritation, then you're exposed to it. But the exposure can vary. And exposure to mustard gas can take up to 24 hours to develop. Well, what my question, my, I, I, uh, I, I didn't finish asking. Okay. Uh, sorry. The, you smell it. But if you smell it, does that mean that you're going to be exposed as far as, do you have to be close enough where if you smell it, you're, uh, you're going to get it on you and it's going to cause the irritant effect? Or can, can it be like, I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there, but say it's 50 feet away, and if you if you if you're 50 feet away, you maybe you can smell it, but you're not going to get. The I might be irritating. wrong, but from what I read, it seemed like you can smell it before you it, it before it touches you before you're exposed to it. Okay, but 
I don't know if just the smell of it would cause those issues or if there's so, some kind of exposure. But also if it was actual mustard gas, it sinks down because it's so dense, it kind of hangs low to the ground. So if it's spraying something, if this creature or machine is releasing it, it would settle down. Because that would explain to me why maybe they smelled it but they did not have any other symptoms, but the dog did. The dog's lower to the ground. The dog also may have gone closer and gone into the area where mm-hmm. the mustard gas maybe was. Well, my question if that's what it was. Is, is if this was an experiment of whether it's our government, another government, some private corporation, could it be something, because they made different types of variations of mustard gas using different things so could it be were they doing an experiment to see okay we have something similar to mustard gas let's see how it affects the environment maybe wherever they put it they weren't expecting they were in kind of deserted areas maybe they weren't expecting people to be there and they were trying to do a field test I mean, that would make sense. See, that's that's why, again, a lot of these things, I always go back to some kind of clandestine uh-huh. uh, experiment or, or yeah, I mean, that that's what I think. I mean, that makes sense to me. But that doesn't explain the other sightings. I mean, we could yeah. say the maze because they themselves said that. They, uh-huh. they think that that's what but it was. But they said, like, um, the Snitowski said it was a sulfur-like smell, and sulfur is one of the elements of mustard gas. All right. So was it was there some... <laughs> if we're going to go to the Snitowski sighting and their quote-unquote encounter, did they maybe see somebody that was out spraying this gas? But... The, the whole, the, the description of a reptilian-looking thing, I don't know. That's kind of... And that was interesting because it was that away. different. So, I don't know. If this was not a robot but an actual creature, could it have been wearing a helmet or mask of some sort for the May encounter? But the May said that they were not, they were not chased. No, not saying that they, they were they chased. They only saw something in the ground. Yeah. Not saying it was chasing them, but it just happened to be there. Perhaps. Maybe it gave it, no it, fucks and was like, I'm going to do my thing. If if you're going to go with uh, it was some kind of alien, okay, perhaps. Maybe it was an alien and that gas it was releasing was just its natural bodily gases, which is normal on its own planet. Maybe. <laughs> now, I'm going to say that with, going back to Snitowski encounter... Mm-hmm. They're traveling with an infant child. Mm-hmm. Now, we have children. Mm-hmm. When you have an infant, you're not getting a, lot of, a whole lot of sleep, are you? You're no. not getting a lot of sleep at all. So are these well, folks sleep deprived? Let's, are they let's, sleep let's deprived? Let's go back then. It was the 50s, early 50s. You know the okay. woman was up with that baby, not the guy. Fair enough. Okay, fine. But the guy probably maybe not getting a lot of sleep either because you know working the guys were the ones that were mm-hmm, typically yeah. working and working long hours depending so on what kind of job the he had sleep deprivation sleep caused- deprivation darkness perhaps an irritated baby confusion mm-hmm. maybe the car broke down so now there's panic i mean i mean cars break down i'm not saying panic because of but I, I, what i'm saying is they concern. see concern and, and on then a deserted road at on night. On a deserted road at night, there's probably no street lights back then, especially on a, on a country road like that. 
and you see a, a something, a dark figure. We don't know what it was, who it was. It could have been just, it could have been some military or some some government or, or some corporation, somebody doing some kind of testing. And just all these factors, and, and this is what these folks claim they saw. It, it was dark, right? Yeah. So how would they know? Now, this this figure brushed its hand across the hood of the car, mm-hmm. right? And then the car started mysteriously. That's what, what they said. That was after the, it claim. passed. After it, so, okay, I don't know. I, I'm just I, again. I'm very. I'm skeptical. Well, then I question also if it was our government or a private corporation, somebody doing some kind of test, did they make it look like that to appear intimidating to scare people? So they think it's some kind of creature or monster so when it's questioned people aren't going to say this is a military weapon being tested or they just again they're they're wearing some kind of a protective suit Mm -hmm. and that's just what these folks interpreted it as it could be and i mean in terms of our government has tested chemical weapons on its own people mustard gas they tested that on U.S. military, on their own military people, especially the Tuskegee the, Airmen. The Tuskegee Airmen. They tested it on Asian people because they wanted to see how it reacted on colored skin. How fucked up is that? There's but yeah. They would I mean, have these people in the military be ordered to a room. They stand in this room with wood walls. Not saying a word, just your order to come here, be here, okay. And then gas pours in. And then they all start screaming. Guys are dropping and passing out because they're being burned by mustard gas. And they're in there for so many minutes, and then the gas shuts off. The doors open, and they let everyone out. You ever read a the contract that you sign when you join the military? No. You are essentially their property. They can do whatever they want to you. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, you gotta, you gotta read what you sign, kids. Uh, that, that's, that's, oh, that's yeah. the lesson there. But if no, of course, I mean, the government has always done that. But and it's not just our government; every government does that kind of so stuff. So to say that it would be our government, not saying that's what this is, but if it were a government test, it wouldn't shock me that there's disregard. For civilian life or civilian property. So if they were testing some kind of biological agent to see how it works in the field or how they need to tweak it and people happen to get exposed to it, they get sick, a dog dies, whatever it might be, it destroys the, the you know flora and fauna around it, I don't think they care collateral damage is what they call that it's for the greater good (laughs) the greater good all i think is uh, hot fuzz (laughs) great movie yes yeah i don't know i i i'm I'm very and again the fact that we haven't there's never been any other sightings you just have these encounters over a couple of days i'm very skeptical i don't think that and again not to discount anybody's eyewitness account or anything but but that's why i wonder could be a test it was within a time range I would say that that's probably the case, and I'm going to refer to 
if you don't mind, unless you unless you want to continue on going down this road, I I have a couple of interesting things that I found Ooh. about this particular day. Ooh, do tell. So this took place September twelfth in nineteen fifty two. Correct. Yes. You know what else happened on September twelfth, nineteen fifty two? What? A whole shitload of UFO sightings. Over 200 oh. UFO sightings that day. Snap. That day and night. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. You know well, what else? Not really. <laughs> you know what else happened on September 12th? What happened? A U.S. Air Force pilot and radar operator apparently had some kind of an accident. There was a uh, Air Force crash. So an Air Force pilot crashed his plane. And it's believed that the whole Flatwoods monster thing could have been created as a cover-up to cover up this crash of an experimental aircraft. Ooh. That is some interesting information that I found. There's a book that was written. It was extensively researched. I cannot speak to its veracity or anything like that because I haven't read it, but I did find it, and I do want to read it because it looks very interesting. And it's called The Braxton County Monster... The cover-up of the Flatwoods Monster Revealed. And it's by Frank C. Ficino Jr. It looks fascinating. And he has all kinds of... It's it's 378 pages. It's illustrated because he has over 200 illustrations and graphs and things to back up his claim that that's what this whole thing was. It was a big cover-up. Wouldn't shock me. No, exactly. And when I saw that and I came across that and I started to read a little bit about it and I started to read a couple of uh, little excerpts from it, I said, okay, this makes sense. What time of day did that accident happen? Uh, that I don't, I don't have that knowledge. Because I'm curious because if it happened earlier in the day, that might give them time to make a plan and do something. But that no, I, I believe it. It may maybe what that thing was, was that they oh, saw it was in the, the sky was the actual ah. accident. Uh, but again, over two hundred UFO sightings. So was this Air Force or, or the, yeah, was this Air Force jet circling and maybe trying to figure out what's going on in the skies? Mm-hmm. Were the two hundred UFO sightings separate UFO? Were they running drills? Were they, was it experimental aircraft that people were spotting and seeing? What 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 was all that? But the, the Air Force or whoever the military is like, okay, we have 200 different crafts or we have all these crafts. We're, we're going to, you know, try them all out today. <laughs> well, I don't think that, the, I think the 200 UFO sightings. It's just multiple sightings. Just it could be the same thing. of the same thing. Yeah. That, that's or a my, few different things. That's what I would think. But that's why I said when I found that book, I was oh man, this this looks cool. I love that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. especially something like that where this guy, he, he wrote this book after researching this topic for over 20 years. Wow. So this guy did his fucking homework. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I want to check it out for sure. But I, I thought that that was very interesting. And to me, that seems like the most plausible thing, especially now, so many years later, and knowing what we know and mm-hmm. what we've learned about what the military, what the government is willing to do in mm-hmm. order to... Do what they do, and and that that you know, like we said, collateral damage. They don't care who they hurt. They don't care who they harm. As long as it's for the greater good. The greater good. There you have it. So I don't know. I thought that was fascinating though when I found that. But That's what you, really interesting. I, and I didn't tell you about but it. Ahead it no, of time. you didn't. Just because um, I wanted to get your reaction it's to it. Interesting, but it's not shocking. 
No, no, not yeah. at all. So, not at all. Yeah. A flatwoods monster. Yeah. So do you have any other thoughts about this? Well, I, it was, I never really knew much about it because I, I, I'd heard of it and I'd seen pictures of it and everything. It's got that iconic picture with the spade. It looks like, it, like a lot of the illustrations that you've seen of it, it almost looks like it's, uh, the way I saw it, it almost looked like they're where the spade is kind of like a big, like, uh, like a head dress kind yeah. of thing like almost like like the undertaker when when he uh one of his wrestlemania entrances mm-hmm. he had like this huge robe and it had that it's almost like a hood thing. that doesn't cover your head it kind of it like kind of just up, goes yeah, like behind straight you. up behind i don't know you. what yeah. it's called i don't know what it's called either but that's kind of what i thought it looked like like okay somebody swearing one of these weird yeah like when you have gimmicks. like a cape kind of thing like and a it cape comes with like a big it, thing yeah. coming up the back yeah yeah and that's what i thought it it, it Perhaps was that's what it looked like to me when anytime I'd see the uh, mm-hmm. illustrations, but I, I never really, I, I I never looked into it because I just thought okay, big deal, and you didn't really hear much about it. It's not as big as like say Mothman or mm-hmm. Bigfoot. It's yeah. not it's not one of those like. And I think because the sightings were so limited, whereas Mothman exactly. had way more sightings, right? Exactly. And even in current times, recently have had more sightings. Sure, this had three reported sightings. Right, and that's the thing. And again, one of uh, two of the sightings were younger, younger people, mm-hmm. right, kids. Uh, and then you had a, f- a family, you know, the, the the husband, wife, and the infant child, who obviously didn't know what was going on. But uh, or did they? <laughs> but again, yeah, it's it's kind of one of those where yeah, it wasn't really widely reported, but it it became a thing of legend. And again, that's mostly due to the media blowing the story mm-hmm. up so and, and remember back then that's where people got their news it was it was the 50s i, I think tv it, it's not like there was a tv in everybody's home the tv was like a new medium a new thing mm-hmm. most people if they wanted to see pictures they'd go to the movie theater and that's where a lot of people get their news right exactly and, and or from the newspaper mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know I, I i think that that that's why i never really Looked into it too, too much until now because it just never really caught my interest. But now, knowing what I know, I'm like, oh, it, it seems very, it seems like something more down my alley now because it's like I like this cover-up stuff and I like yeah. I like getting to the truth and the real story behind things. Well, this triggered for me an interest in wanting to know more about the different agents that were used in terms of chemical and biological warfare. So when you think about mustard gas, Agent Orange, searing gas, all these different things that our government has used on other people, it really sparked a curiosity in terms of what brought that about. Because with mustard gas, apparently when it was first developed, it wasn't a weapon. And the first two series of people working on it never reported any irritation. It wasn't until I believe it was like the third person working on the formula, I guess, tried to taste it or had somebody taste it. And that's where irritation developed. Wow. Drop it on the tongue. So was it, uh, sorry, was it begun? Did they develop it initially as It wasn't developed as a weapon. It was something somebody just was working in a lab creating. 
What, they were creating for what purpose, though? Do you know to I what end? I don't know. It was okay. just was it like, hey, we're gonna create something. We're gonna create something that smells like mustard, just because we like hey, to smell of mustard. Hey, let's put these chemicals like, together <laughs> and see what it does. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow. Mm, so it just it got me interested. So that's something that I would like to look into more when we have some time, because the mustard gas was. That itself was fascinating and learning how they tested. There are all these articles I read. There was, you know, a, a, a veteran who his arm, a picture is all scarred, and he carried a, fl- a jar of his flaked skin to show people, like, the government did this to me. This is real. My skin literally flaked off. I lost my skin. I mean, I, well, the, you mentioned Agent Orange mm-hmm. a minute ago. I mean, that my uncle was exposed to that. My dad was exposed to that. And and, and he died of cancer. And when from, the, uh, Essentially, you know, a lot of his health issues came from that. Yeah. And I know a lot of people went to the VA. They went to the government saying this caused issues with my health. It caused issues with my children's health. And they didn't give a fuck. No, they don't care. Nope. Especially if it, like I said, if it happened while you were in the gov- in the military... Oh, well, you you signed that paper. You're their property. You know they do whatever they want to you. I'm not their property. You know, so if you're a child affected by Agent Orange, you're not the government. You didn't sign that paper, so can you go after them? I'm sure you could, but but I'm sure that there's also statute of limitations with, with a lot of things as well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I it, it just, it, it irks me. Like, we were talking about the, the whole chemical weapons and that yeah. kind of thing, and I, I was just... You you were telling me some of these stories the other day, and I was just like, I it, it gets me angry and it gets me upset that there's like sick people out there that just that's their job to create this shit, but and then they know that they're creating angry. it to use on other people. Well, it's a lot of times they're not. There are people who are, they're not creating it to use on people. They're develop. They're just seeing, you know, what does this do. And then they realize, oh, okay, and then the government gets its hands in our private corporations. So it's not always these sinister motives with everybody, but people should get upset. They should see that these governments are hurting their own people. They're hurting other people with this, and it's fucked up. And people need to speak up, and they need to stand up and say, cut the shit. But... (laughs) most people want their superhero person to do that and fix everything forgetting that we all have to stand together so yeah but i i'm really i want to do more research on on all that stuff because it's just made me more and more curious about it yeah yeah i mean for sure i want to learn yeah and it's and i mean and i love when we talk about this kind of stuff because anybody listening or watching us Maybe you didn't know about this kind of stuff, or maybe it'll spark a little bit of interest and and get them looking into things on their own as well. Absolutely. And in terms of, you know, the Flatwoods monster, let us know. What do you think it is? Yeah. Do you think it was a a real reptilian? An alien? Or was it just some... Is it a cryptid? Crashed military aircraft and... Is it a chemical agent, a warfare agent? Is it... Like a military weapon. What is up. it? It's it. What is it? Sorry, a little faith no it's more there it. for you. What is it? Yeah. So let us know. But until next time, I am the Golden Greek, Alex Arion, joined as always by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous wife, the lovely Monique. And you've been listening to the Homewrecker Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,
We love hearing from and interacting with our hearers and watchers. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HomewreckerPod. You can also visit our website, HomewreckerPodcast.com, where you can check out past episodes and pick up some Homewrecker Podcast gear from our online store. Also, if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you're hearing or watching our show. That way you can be notified whenever a new episode drops. We're on all major podcasting platforms, and you can check out the video versions of our show at YouTube and Brideon. You can also find Monique in a few places online as well. I'm on Twitter, at underscore Monique Giselle underscore. If you're interested in a tarot reading, organite, incense, candles, and other cool things, you can go to my website, tarotbymonique.com. Or if you're interested in hypnotherapy, you can go to innerstandingshypnosis.com to schedule a free 20-minute consult. And follow me on Twitter, at Monique P-C-H-T. And Alex, how can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at TheAlexArion. And you can check out my website, alexarionfitness.com. And if that's too much to remember, we get it. That's why we put it all in our show notes. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we appreciate all of your support. We do. Thank you. We love you.